Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Injured in an accident? Good news. Help has arrived. Thomas J. Henry is a personal injury law firm now serving Austin and the surrounding communities. Call Thomas J. Henry now at 512-817-1905. San Antonio and Austin, Texas. Welcome to I Love You So Much, the Austin 360 podcast. This is Addie Broyles, a co-host of the show, back with another dispatch from South by Southwest. On Sunday night, I went to a fish-filled dinner at Eden East that featured Bizarre Foods host Andrew Zimmern and several innovative aquaculture companies. The Minneapolis-based chef is a frequent face around the Austin food scene, and I asked him why he loves coming to Austin so much and why his chef friends here are so eager to say yes when he invites them to cook at his events. Here's the thing. Um, this town, like so many other what I call second cities, and that's not a bad thing. You know, the primary cities in this country, they're really big. Competition is really fierce. Costs are really big. I think hardships are magnified. Successes are magnified, too. And some people chase that brass ring in, you know, New York and Chicago and Miami and Houston and San Francisco and L.A. But, you know, as someone who lives in a great American second city in Minneapolis, I love second cities. And the energy, the camaraderie, the sense of community that's there is really special. You, you, you don't have that in those other big cities. They have different kinds of special and awesome. But what's been going on here in Austin over the last, uh, I don't know, 25 years since I first came here, and it's, sometimes you need an observer, right, an outside person to tell the people on the inside kind of what's going on. I come here three, four times a year and have nonstop for 25 years. And the last 15, you know, making a lot of TV and, and participating in food events and coming to South by Southwest and, you know, of course, doing the Austin Food and Wine uh, show since its inception. And What's grown here is an incredible, incredible family of culinarians, farmers, you know, growers, makers. It's staggering. It's staggering. When I look across a table and I see people who have met each other who are, you know, leather goods makers and ice cream makers, and there's the dairy farmer, and there's the vegetable gardener, and everyone knows each other because they all used to work together eight years ago at someone else's restaurant, that's an incredible thing. And when I we were putting this dinner together, kind of at the last minute, I mean, all of a sudden we had the opportunity, we had the location, all of a sudden the sponsors were there, and it's like, okay, let me make a couple phone calls. And, you know, the first five local chefs that I asked all said yes within 24 hours. I mean, like, responded right away, yes. During a time, by the way, that they are the busiest. I don't think there's a busier time of year here than South by Southwest. I mean, it's just yeah. staggering. I mean, try to get a reservation in town. Um, <laughs> and for all of them, dinner. for all of them to like come and give their time and bring their crew and everything, it is it is special. The community here of culinarians and the support they give each other is really, really something else. Some and I'm, maybe you guys have done it already because uh, they, you know, it kind of happens in cities all the time. But where you create that um, that map of who worked for who. 
and how sort of like goofy and incestuous it kind of is. You know, I was at Suerte last night. I met the chef. It was, I said, very nice to meet you. He said, I met you eight years ago when you were shooting the first time with Rennie Ortiz. I was one of the line cooks there. And that's happened to me, I think, six times since I got here. The, the lady who's the baker who gave us the challah tonight, which was incredible, who's opening a bake shop. Yes. She's opening a bakery here in town. And I said, it was so great to meet you. Your challah is insane. And she said to me, oh, we met a long time ago. I was the baker at Daidui. And it's just an incredible, incredible thing. Um, and that just repeats itself endlessly and endlessly and endlessly in this town. And I think, and I said this, it was the theme of one of my TV shows down here. I think it comes from um, the music and maker part of the culture here. Because people are willing to be experimented against. They're consumers. And the, the artists, the makers, the chefs take risks, but more importantly, they know how hard it is and they support each other. And I think that I think that comes from long before there were so many great restaurants in this town. That's embedded in that the DNA of the Austin maker artist culture. They take risks, they do crazy things. Yeah. And they you know, I'm amazed that, like I think a lot of their camaraderie comes from these community events where it's nonprofits. I mean the tasting events yes. that happen three hundred and sixty five days a year. Yes. Fifteen chefs at a time are there. Yes. No and, one's making money at this. Yeah. It's actually costing yeah, people money. Yeah, exactly. There are people. There are people paying for other people to, to hear a message. Yeah. So real quick, I don't need to run. Yeah. Um, but the aquaculture panel tomorrow. I mean, for, from a consumer perspective, what do you wish people would do differently when they're in the grocery store? I wish they trying would just, to decide what to cook and what to buy. I think I wish they would ask. The more consumers who ask uh, their their store manager, store workers, where something is from, the more pressure there is on them to know what it is. That's number one. That internal pressure has to be there. Um, secondly, I think we need to clarify for people the glossary of terms because people are so, so... Uh, messed up on the definitions. It it feels like what happened when the organics movement came around, as if if it doesn't have a label that says organic, it somehow must not be good enough. When in fact that's a that, that's something that costs money to buy. You have to have certain setups to buy that uh, designation. And the organic farm that can't afford the designation that's actually raising the food that we would want to eat and we would want people to eat all over um, this country are priced out of of that opportunity, right? So here you have big companies that are trying to do the right thing that understand that our future when it comes to food has to come down like eight or nine different pipelines, one of which is aquaculture. It got a bad name 40, 50 years ago by the first companies that came out there. They were frankly not making great food. But farming of fish has gone on for thousands of years and that needs to be synonymous with good things, not with iffy things. Thanks for listening. Our I Love You So Much dispatches are sponsored by Thomas J. Henry.